There is joy in our hearts, is there not? Every time we come together, every time we pick up his word and read about Jesus Christ and him crucified, what better news could there be for a sinner? What better news? What, there, there's no better gospel. That's what the word gospel means. Good news. That God provided salvation for sinners. Amen. And that's what this child is all about that we're coming to celebrate. It's not just the child. The world sees the child today in the manger. Everywhere you go, there's a nativity scene where, uh, there, there's where the baby in the manger is. Where all the little animals are. You can drive through some of the churches. There's one down in Carmichael. You can drive through it and see all the nativity scenes and all the scenes that they think they can put together of the Bible. Folks, our Lord tells us not to make things that are seen in heaven, not to recreate things that are seen in heaven. I just want you to warn you of that. It's a really cool thing for us to take our little ones out and show them all these neat things, isn't it? But it gives them a false sense of what it's all about. It was important for the Lord to become flesh and become a child, absolutely. But the importance was that was so that he could lay down his life for you and I. Because if he didn't do that, we would all perish in our sins, wouldn't we? We would all perish in our sins. Turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 1, if you would. Matthew, chapter 1. We've been looking at the book of Matthew, and I kind of glazed over this a little bit when we were in our Bible studies on Friday night. We're down around, uh, I think, chapter 2, verse 4, or something like that. Right now, I'll look at that for next Friday's study. But I was listening to a message from Brother David Edmondson out of Madisonville, Kentucky. Oh, and he brought an excellent message on the word Emmanuel. Do you know what the word Emmanuel means? God with us. God with us, absolutely. That's right. In the Old Testament, where that is referring to, they knew exactly what it meant. God was with the people of Israel. He was with them all the time, but he wasn't there physically where they could see him and reach out and touch him and walk with him. They knew that that word Emmanuel means God with us. That means God in the flesh, in the presence, with us. And that's what the Lord Jesus is all about. God with us. God in the flesh. In verse... Uh, now, David, he, he focuses his message mostly there where Emmanuel in verse 23. But this, this phrase, this, this word in verse 22 jumped out at me. Look at verse... 22 and 23 of Matthew chapter 1. Now all this was done. What? Well, all what was done? All what was done? Well, if we go back to verse 20, while he, speaking of Joseph, thought on these things. Now remember, Joseph had been espoused to Mary. Mary. They were engaged. And in those days, engagement meant that you were married today's world, you know, engagement, oh, well, I can go out and do whatever I want until that day I stand before. That's not the way it was back then. Engagement, you, you, you <laughs> promised yourself to this person. You were going to give yourself to this person in marriage. That's what the Lord Jesus does to you and I. 
He promised himself to us before the world ever was. This is what it means. Uh, uh, I got started to get ahead of myself a little bit there. What, what was it that was all that? So Joseph was ready to put away Mary. The angel came to Joseph and he said, and he told Joseph to go ahead, it would be okay for him to go ahead and marry his wife, for with that which she carried within her, that which she conceived, there in verse 20, in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people. Now, verse 22. Now, after all that, after reading the, after all of the uh, uh, genealogy that's given in 1 through 18, and what just went with uh, Joseph there, we see in verse 20, now all this was done. Everything that's spoken of by Matthew there before that was done for a reason. Look at the reason here, that it might be fulfilled. What? This was all foretold of in the in past long ago? That's exactly what that means. It was all foretold. Foretold before. That it might be fulfilled. Everything that was foretold before, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophets. All of that. That it might be fulfilled. Verse 23. Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel being interpreted is God with us. The word I want to talk to you about this morning is fulfilled. The words of the Old Testament prophets declaring what will come to pass. Listen to Hebrews chapter 1, 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, he at different times spread throughout all the time between creation and the time right there. All of that time before, before the Lord came to this world, the Lord would come to his people in different times and in different ways, whether it be speaking to them audibly. You know, the Lord can make a, a donkey speak, right? He can speak to you in any way he wants to. He can come to you and speak to you in your mind. Today, he speaks to us through his word, the Son of God, because that's what this Bible is. It's the Word. And the Lord Jesus Christ is the Word. But it says in, in Hebrews 1, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers, unto all of those before us by the prophets. That's what this is speaking of here. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophets. And, and the prophets spoke of him, this child, who would, be, who would save his people, as we read back there in verse 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. All the Old Testament writers. And at this time... The New Testament had not been completely written yet. It had not been completely brought together as the Bible as we see it now. So when it's speaking about all of the prophets of old, it's speaking about all of the Old Testament writers. What did they write of? They wrote of Christ. They wrote of Christ. They spoke of the Lord Jesus. 
It says that all the prophets spoke of him, this child who would save his people, as it is written in Luke 24, 27, and beginning of Moses, and all the prophets, that means all of the Old Testament books, he, the Lord Jesus, expounded or taught, as it says, unto them in all the scriptures. He was speaking on the road to Emmaus, the two disciples. He expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So that's what all the Old Testament prophets all spoke of. That's what all the New Testament prophets, the New Testament preachers, that's what they all speak of. Paul says this, I wish you know nothing of you, save Christ and him crucified. Why? Because that's the message. That's the gospel. Oh, but John, there's so many more things in Scripture we can talk about. We can talk about the, the way we should walk when we're, we're dealing with people. I'm going to tell you something right now. Every one of you folks, including these little children right here, know what's right and what's wrong. You know what's right. I don't have to tell you how to live. You know what's right and what's wrong. When you have taken something like a, something out of a cookie jar and you weren't supposed to, did somebody tell you, oh, that's wrong, you told a lie about it? No, you just did it, didn't you? And you knew you were wrong. You knew the guilt of what you did was wrong. Our Lord, folks, is the fulfillment. This little child that the world is speaking about today and tomorrow and is all about the fulfillment of the Old Testament. He's the fulfillment of the one who created all the heavens and the earth. Listen to John. Actually, turn over there. Let's read that together. John chapter 1. Turn over to John chapter 1 for just a moment. And we'll read it together. Familiar words. Some of you can quote it without even looking at Scripture. But it says in John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All Things were made by him. Jesus Christ is the creator, is the, is the fulfillment of our creator. And I know this because we go on. It says, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. And the word was made flesh. So we see the fulfillment of God's word just in the as the creator in the Lord Jesus Christ. This child being born of a virgin is the fulfillment of scripture. Listen to Colossians chapter 1 verse 16. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. So we see him as the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Listen to Genesis chapter 22, verse 8. Another familiar set of verses that we may know by heart. And Abraham said, speaking to his son, after they had taken the wood and gone up to the mountain where God had sent them to sacrifice his son Isaac, he said unto his son, My son, God will provide himself a lamb. That's this child. God will provide himself a lamb. Christ Jesus. 
the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. This child is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament, including what Abraham said to his son. This child would grow into a man, though, won't he? He came here for a purpose, folks. He didn't come here to lay in the manger and be sought after by the world as something so special and so loving, although he is. There's no better sacrifice ever given for the sins of man than the sacrifice of the, of the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. No other sacrifice ever paid for any sins of man, yet the Lord's blood paid it all. There's only one gospel, folks. There's only one message of good news that sinners come out of the world to hear. One message that brings peace to a, to a sinner, and that is Christ and his crucifixion. Salvation is of the Lord. As a sinner, what I need to hear is this, John 10, verses 27 through 30. My sheep hear my voice. As a sinner, I need to hear that my sheep hear my voice, meaning I hear the word of God. You know, I was talking with Kathy, and we were struggling with our own sins that are within us, and everybody has their own. We like to think of Pastor Gene and Judy as something special and, and not sinful people, don't we? They're just like you and I. Moses was just like you and I. Noah was just like you and I. Mary Oh, the world puts Mary up on a pedestal, don't they? She was, and this linger Catholics, but oh well. She was just like you and I. Sinners, saved by grace. We need to hear. We need to hear the word of God when he tells us, my sheep will hear my voice. Kathy and I were talking about that. And after going through the different things that we see in the mirror and saying to ourselves, you know, how can I be saved? How could God love a person like me? We come to realize, and Kathy pointed this out, she goes, you know what, though? I believe what he says, and I hear his word. Yeah. That mirror shows an awful lot of ugliness, but Christ says this, my sheep hear. <coughs> We hear. We hear his word. And we believe. And I know them, he says. And they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life. These are words that his sheep need to hear. This is the one who fulfilled all of the Old Testament. Who is fulfilling all of his word even today. Right now. Drawing his people out of the darkness that we once walked in. There may be one here this morning. There may be one online today who's never heard this with the ears of the heart. And for the first time, they may be sitting there like John Reeves was and sitting there and all of a sudden, whoa! That made more sense than anything I've ever heard in my whole life. God is truly God. He's got the power of God. He's not waiting for man to make some decision. He does what he wants. What he has purposed, he will also do it. Isn't that what scripture says? 
Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of that scripture. He had purposed himself to come to this world and lay down his life for you and I. And he did it. Not waiting for you and I to make decisions. Not waiting for you and I to do something that will let him in our hearts. If he kept waiting for that, my heart, my old stony, broken, cold, rock-hard heart would have kept saying, No, you're not coming in. Yet in the day of his power, in the day of his love, <laughs> oh, he comes to us in his love and makes us willing in the day of his power. He goes on to say there in John 27, they shall never perish. That's good news to a sinner. That's good news to one who knows what they've done was wrong who knows what kind of a sinner we truly are in unbelief. We shall never perish, neither shall any man. Actually, you know what that says? Man is not actually in the, in the original language. That's something we men have, have uh, added to it later. But it says, neither shall any pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave me is greater than all and no is able no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand I and my father one is that not good news to a sinner does that not bring some peace to your heart knowing that this child that the world is worshiping and and holding up before themselves in this day was the one who made all that possible it's not, he's, it's not something you had done, but something he had done. Salvation is of the Lord. From beginning to end. As a sinner, I need to hear him. Not just with these ears on my head, but with the ears of the heart. I need to hear with an understanding of his grace. Grace is experienced. We experience His grace knowing that He died for our sins. By His grace we are saved through faith, through believing, through hearing the Word of God. He died for me personally. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Look over to Acts chapter 2 if you would. Turn over to Acts chapter 2. Just a couple of pages to the right there. In the second chapter of Acts, we begin at verse 22. We read these words. Oops, I'm in the wrong. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Folks, there were a lot of people who heard these words. Even when Christ himself walked this earth and told them plainly who he was. He says, I told you plainly who I was. The works that I did, they prove who I am. Yet you do not believe because you're not my sheep. This is the grace of God that he has some sheep. Aren't you thankful God has some sheep out here? Aren't you thankful? My prayer for all of you and for my children is that you're one of God's sheep. You may not know it right now, you may be going through life going, oh, I've, I've heard this, I've, I've, I've been there, I've done that, yeah. 
I got my, that what I used to say to my mom was, I got my own thing going on with God. Don't worry, mom. I'll take care of it. It'll be fine. I had no idea. I had no idea. That old cold, dark heart was, I'll do it my way, is what I was saying. That's an easy thing for us to do. I'll do it my way. Here in Acts chapter 2, verse 22, you men of Israel hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth. This is the baby that was born in the manger. This is the one we're talking about today. A man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. They saw it plainly. They saw it plainly, yet they said to the Lord, uh, how long do you make us to doubt? Verse 23, him, speaking of this Lord Jesus of Nazareth, him being delivered by the determinate counsel. Did you catch that? Are you catching this? It wasn't an accident that Jesus came here in a manger, folks. It was purposed by God. It was purposed for you and I. By the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Our Lord and Savior Christ Jesus coming into this world was not a willy-nilly event. It was purposed before a star ever twinkled in the sky. Look over at Acts chapter 13. Turn to the right there at a couple of pages to Acts chapter 13. Look at verse 25 with me. Acts 13 verse 25. And as John fulfilled, this is speaking of John the Baptist, fulfilled his course, he said, Whom think ye that I am? I am not he... But behold, there cometh one after me, whose shoes of his feet I am not worthy to loose. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. Now listen to this. This word, the word of God, the salvation of, uh, uh, of God's people, God's elect, this is sent to you. Because, listen, verse 27, For they that dwell at Jerusalem. Did you notice the difference there? He's speaking to the children and the stock of Abraham in verse 27. He's speaking to those who feareth God. And in the very next verse, he addresses those who don't. For they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, they knew him not nor yet the voices of the prophets, which are, ready, which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled, what did they fulfill? Them. They fulfilled everything the prophets said about it. This is the fulfillment of God's word, that Jesus Christ came to the earth to save sinners. All the prophets of old spoke of one who would come. And we'll look at that in a moment in the book of Isaiah, but they... These ones who did not believe fulfilled them the word, the word of God, the prophets, in con and condemning the Lord Jesus. And they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they Pilate that he should be slain. Verse 29. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, 
they took him down from the tree and laid him in the sepulcher. Scripture has never been hiding the fact that Christ would be coming to this world. Look over at Hebrews chapter 10. Turn to the right over to Hebrews chapter 10. Throughout the Old Testament, even all the way back to the days when Adam and Eve walked this earth, we see the blood being shed for sins. What was the first thing that Adam and Eve tried to do? They tried to cover their own nakedness with their own hands, with their own works. They, they sewed fig leaves or some kind of a leaf together and made garments because they had noticed that they were naked. Their sin had been exposed. They saw their sin for the first time that was within them in their own hearts, and they tried to hide it. And God came, and in, and in that day, when he saw them dressed in their own works, what did he do? He killed an animal and dressed them in, skin, in the skins of that animal. Blood was shed. The picture of what it would cost not the picture of what it cost, but what it would cost. This is the prophesying of the Old Testament. Moses prophesied that we had to be dressed in a righteousness, and that righteousness must be the righteousness of Christ. And the only way to get it is through the blood of God, through the blood of that little one who lays in the manger. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Those Old Testament sacrifices never took an ounce of sin away from anybody. But they pointed to the perfect blood of Christ that would. Verse 5. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, speaking of the Lord Jesus, speaking of this child, this little one, who would fulfill all scriptures. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared. A body that thou hast prepared. This is that little child that came into this world, born of a virgin, born without the nature of sin of man, born of the Spirit, who would lay down his life he coming into the world, he said, A body thou hast prepared in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. How many of you know what the will of God is? We, we, we think, you know, we, we, we sit around in today's world, and, and Lord, what's your will for me today? I don't know. I can tell you this, the will of God is this, anything that just happened and has now gone by is the will of God. Everything. He's sovereign ruler over all that is, is it not? Is he not? So as sovereign ruler of everything, his will is everything that has happened. As far as the future is concerned, here's what the, here's what the Lord Jesus says over in John 6.39. And this is the Father's will. Now we know the Father's will here. It tells us very plainly of the future of God's will. This is the Father's will which hath sent me that all which he 
hath given me all that he hath given me. I should lose nothing, but raise it up again at the last day. That's the Father's will. That's what it's speaking of there in Hebrews 10, verse 7. Then said I, lo, then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. Verse 8, above when he said sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings and offering for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hast pleasure which are offered neither hast pleasure which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second, by the which will we are sanctified, that means made holy, set apart, through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So we see a body was prepared, don't we? And we see that body was prepared to do what? To be a sacrifice, a sacrifice that would satisfy God's justice. Folks, you know why we are the mark of the beast? You know, we're the mark of the beast. People say, well, what's the mark of the beast? The mark of the beast is man. 666. It's as simple as that. We come short of perfection. You can't be perfect. There's only one who ever walked this earth that was perfect, and that's the Lord Jesus himself. And God requires perfection. That's why the blood of Christ is important. That's why this child, it was so important for this child to come to the world, because that's the blood of God. That's the blood of God for you and I. If his blood was shed for you, it was perfect in every way. We are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Listen to Revelations, Revelation 5, verse 6. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain. That's our Savior. He's not in a manger anymore. you can teach your children anything even your grown if I could teach my children who are in their 40s anything it would be this that God is not in a manger he's on his throne right now it's important that he came to this world and, and became a flesh absolutely no doubt about that that's important but where he is now He's not in that manger. He's not on that cross. He's not buried in that tomb. He's sitting on his throne. He accomplished what he came here to do. He saved his people. This is what a bona fide sinner, and that means a true-blooded sinner, sees. We see our salvation. We don't just see a child in a manger. We see our salvation and we see the fulfillment of his word. Listen to these words here. 1 Timothy 3.16 And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest 
in the flesh. We see the fulfillment of righteousness as we read in Psalm 71 2. Deliver me in thy righteousness and cause me to escape. In Psalms 143.11, quicken me, uh, uh, make alive, quicken me, O Lord, for thy name's sake, for thy righteousness' sake, bring my soul out of trouble. This child is the fulfillment of God's righteousness on this earth. He, it says, thy righteousness. Listen to Isaiah 9.6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. In 1 Corinthians 1.30, we read these words, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. In Romans 3, verse 24, we read these words, Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You see? You see, folks? This child is the fulfillment of what God has promised throughout all of his word. A savior for his people. His name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people. How? For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. How can I how can I how can I be saved, John? If I can't do anything perfect? What righteousness do I have? The righteousness of Christ. If you're in him. We'll get to that in just a second here. One more thing I want to bring out about that. It says, because this or because this child was made sin for us, because he was made a curse for us. We read in Romans 8.1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation for you. If Christ Jesus has gone to the cross for you, all of your sins have been paid in full. Everyone that you've committed up to now and everyone that you will commit to the day the Lord takes you out of this world has been paid. Isaiah 9.2 the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them hath the light shined. We don't just see a child in a manger anymore. We see the grace of God in sending a Savior for our sin, my sin. Turn over to Isaiah 53. We're almost done. Isaiah 53. believed our report and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed. Isaiah 53 1 verse 2 for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground he hath no form nor comeliness and when we shall see him there is no beauty that we should desire him. When you read those words does it, does it 
grab a hold of your mind this picture that the world would like us to think of, of the Lord Jesus, this long-haired guy, beautifully painted, such a nice picture. When we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised, verse 3, and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. We're talking about the Old Testament prophets, the word of God being fulfilled in this child. This is that child right here. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. This child is the great shepherd. The shepherd of his sheep. How shall he let anything come between him and those whom he has loved from before the world was? The Old Testament's full of death and judgment. This child is to be the fulfillment of our death, our judgment. He is to stand as our substitute to hang on that cross where you and I should hang and hang for our sins. He is our scapegoat. As we read, just read, by his stripes, we will be healed. Listen to Hebrews 10, verse 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. From henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, for by one offering... He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Them who are made holy by his works. When one is brought to see this one who came to save sinners as the Lord of all, you cannot help but bow in admiration and humility. What a God that would consider a wretched sinner such as me. Turn over to the 54th chapter of Isaiah, just one page to the right. And look with me, if you would, at verses 4 and 5. Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed, neither be thou confounded, for thou shalt not be put to shame, for thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth, and shalt not remember the reproach of thy widowhood anymore. For thy maker is thine husband, and the Lord of hosts is his name, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, shall he be called. One more, if you would turn back, if you would, to Isaiah chapter 40. Just a couple of pages back to the 40th chapter of Isaiah. Verse 10, Behold, the Lord God will come with a strong hand. This child, folks, is the fulfillment of this scripture. Behold, the Lord God will come with a strong hand and his arm shall rule for him. Where's the Lord Jesus sitting right now? On his throne, ruling all things after the counsel of his own will. 
Behold, his reward is with him. All of his people will be with him. Not one shall be lost. And his work before him, he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. I, I think it was last week I said these words. I said, you know, I remember a story Don Fortner told us about his daughter Faith. A cute little blonde girl running down the road, the driveway towards the road. Towards the road. What did he do? He ran out after her. Could you imagine a God who would just stand back and say, oh, they don't want it, it, unless they want me. If, if they'll just let me save them, I will. That's what the world is preaching. That's what the world's telling everybody, that this Jesus loves you if you'll just let him. What does it say here? He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arms, carry them in his bosom, and shall gently lead those that are with young. Who hath measured? This one that the scripture is telling us about here. Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and melted out heaven with the span and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure? and weighted the mountains and scales and the hills and the balance. Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor hath taught him? With whom took he counsel, and who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment, and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Folks, who are you to say what God can and what he cannot do? All that we have just read is the fulfillment of that child who grew to be a man and laid down his life for his people. All that we have just read is the fulfillment of scriptures in the Son of the living God, Jesus Christ our Lord. Is he your Lord? If he has made himself, or he is your Lord, whether you know it or not, but if he has made himself Lord in your heart, you know this to be true. If God before us, who or what can be against us? Nothing. He's God. Who can stay his hand? Isn't his love amazing? Though we shook our hands at his, our fist at his face, that we told him we will not have you rule over us, in his love he comes to us and says, live. Live. Live for the Lord Jesus, my friends. As you go about through this world, remember this. Those who have sinned against you, you've sinned against God way worse. And he's forgiven you. So let us forgive each other. Amen.